0: Welcome to the Makom Israel Teacher's Lounge podcast, where we connect students and listeners with Israel by discussing and exploring current events and relevant issues. I am your host, Michael Unterberg, here with producer and today's co-host, Matt Lippman. How are you, Matt? I'm
1: very well, thank you, Michael.
0: Matt, would you introduce today's guest?
1: That would be my absolute honor. Okay, this morning's guest is uh, Yona Bob. Yona is the Foreign Affairs Lecturer and Jerusalem Post Intelligence, Terrorism, and Legal Analyst, and is also their Literary Editor, Yona is also, most significantly, I think, for this morning's uh, conversation, the author of Justice in the West Bank, The Israeli-Palestinian Conflict Goes to Court. This book was published by Geffen Publishing in August of 2019. He has also previously worked for the IDF Legal Division, the Foreign Ministry, and the Justice Ministry.
0: Good morning. How's it going, Yona?
1: Glad to be
2: here. Thanks for having me.
0: Before I ask you about your book, can you explain to me why all these, like, diplomacy and 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 and... You know, big sort of analysis of all these goings on in the geopolitical realm, and you also have a literary credit in there. How'd that happen?
2: The the literary editor yeah. part. Um, people move around to different <laughs> uh, positions, and it was uh, offered to me uh, half or so a year ago. So, how I do that and I do all the other things, I have no idea. Uh-huh. So it's <laughs> um, it's but... just juggling. <laughs> we're we're working a lot of that. Look, when you're a reporter, um, there's you work a lot mm-hmm. and you're never really off from working like something random happens, you know, on a Friday or a Saturday night. Like if it's important, you have to do it on the other. End, you have some flexibility. So, you know, you might work some crazy hours a particular day and you might have a lighter day, you know, another day. Um,
0: you're always on call. But what you do in exactly. your hours are more or less. You it, can.
2: As long as you file a mm-hmm. deadline. Mm-hmm. You know they don't uh, they could be listening to this, but <laughs> and the truth is it's a little bit harder today than it used to be when internet wasn't like the the main thing, but internet's the main thing for the Jerusalem Post for sure, and for mm-hmm. a lot of people now, um even though the print is important um so it used to be really all that mattered was you file your deadline at the end of the day, and the rest of the time you could do whatever you want. Now, mm-hmm. the truth is they would like us to do what's called initial stories. Mm-hmm. So something happens at one or two o'clock, you might take half an hour or even less just to get something online fast because everybody wants to be first. Yeah you, uh,
0: yeah. you can see that as a reader, that things will pop up and then they get fleshed out. as Right. Time exactly.
2: I and mean, then if you check a few hours later, definitely by the evening, it'll right. be a more meaty story.
0: Right. So what, what drove you to write a book if you're so busy with your day job of working for the Jerusalem sure. Post?
2: Um, so this really, in some ways, you could say started before I became uh, a journalist and um, I made Aliyah in 2009. I worked for the Justice Ministry International Law Division. And from there, I made some connections with the IDF International Law Division. And I was working with them. And part of the time, I was also in the IDF West Bank or Judea and Samaria courts. I'm going to use West Bank just because more people internationally know that. but. Sure. Either of them are interchangeable, and I use both actually in the book also to stay neutral. Um, so- I,
1: I noticed, by the way, that, that you did that, and you even said it explicitly. So when I was teaching last week to my students, I said, there's this book I'm reading, yeah. and he uses them interchangeably and says it's a it. Well, way we talk
0: about imagine. that in the course, how mm-hmm. how different names have uh, have political weight. In our course, we take your approach, which is we're just not going to get bogged down in the language. We'll use yeah language like interchangeably know, yeah. but you should know that some people do wave and choose to only use language that represents a particular political ideology exactly as yeah. educators and as journal we're educators you're a journalist i don't know that you're supposed to be do that but we but we identify
2: yeah so um right so i we, we hadn't we had a whole debate uh, geffen and i and the editors and we, we decided to sort of use both but west bank is the main one because it's you know ho- hopefully people are buying the book in the united states and europe who don't know what Juden Samir is. Um, they'll learn a little bit. Um, so anyway, so I also served in these these courts as a mm-hmm. prosecutor. Um, so I know them from the inside. So there's some things I can't reveal because, you know, I can't reveal something that I learned from there, but it gives me a perspective. Mm-hmm. and I'm able to unpack it in a way. These courts are really the twilight zone. They're so different from anything else that you, you know, and I've been in courts in lots of different places. What does that mean? Um, I mean, first of all, you've, Two different okay, which nations. courts are you talking about right now? So these are the IDF's military courts that deal with the Palestinians. Um, the main two spots are at uh Camp Ofer on route, right off Route 443 near Ramallah, and there's another main court in the north, Salem. Just recently, last couple of years, they opened up a court also around uh, Hevron, but let's say for the last long period and most of the period that the book is covering it's basically Ofer and uh, Salem, and that's any any crime the Palestinians uh, commit or suspected of committing is going through these courts so if you want to talk about 90% of any terror act is going through these courts people might not realize when they're reading the newspaper about what's happening to terrorists it's these courts it's always these courts and you can go you know then let's say something that's like the least politically provocative uh, people, just crossing the border illegally to work for Jewish people in the West Bank, who are happy to pay them, but they're doing it off the books. They didn't want to wait to get the uh, you know full official permit. Not a terrorist. They just need a little bit more money for their family. And sometimes they get caught. Most, most of the time, they don't get caught. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they get caught, and that's all the Kurds deal with that. And then you have the other very political pieces. Miners who are, you know, let's say throwing rocks, Mm -hmm. um, and there's a whole spectrum of what that means. Some of those miners don't get arrested at all. Some of them get arrested and might be in jail for like a few months or, or, you know, get a warning. And then you have people who might, you know, be throwing rocks at cars, maybe even with a lookout and planning in a way to actually try to hurt people. Those people could actually serve real time.
0: So, and let me just see if I understand this. The reason that these are military courts is because the West Bank isn't annexed into the state of Israel. So it's not under the jurisdiction of Israeli legal courts. It's under the military justice system
2: correct so now we're diving deep into international law and right when when israel there was the six-day war and israel you know either took over or got back however you want to look at it um Judea and samir the west bank um and uh you know, basically under international law, there's a, there's a way to administer a disputed area, a population that isn't yours. Um, the Palestinians, you know, weren't our population. And that,
0: that's legally occupation, right?
2: It's it's right. It's, it's not, a, not political occupation. It's called belligerent I, right. occupation under international law. It's a neutral term. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean anything good or bad. It's just... You're, you're, there. It yeah, occupation. You're, you're there and, until, and usually the presumption is that within X number of weeks or months or a couple of years, there'll be some sort of deal that will set the new borders and you'll leave, you know, whatever area or you, part of it will stay, part of it will Germany won't. is
0: defeated in World War II. The allies are going to administer until exactly. Germany can form a new government.
2: Germany, Japan, Iraq, Yeah, And the
0: Gulf War. Right. And then Iraq will be reestablished somehow. It may take a few years,
2: but... Yeah. And in the meantime, you need to deal with crime. And so you have military courts. And the reason it's specifically supposed to be um, people people attack Israel for this, but the reason it's supposed to be military courts is the idea is it needs to be different mm-hmm. because if you just if you look historically when the conqueror, so to speak, took over another land and they threw foreigners into their courts, they were kangaroo courts. They weren't given the same rights. And the idea is, no, we're not going to pretend you know that you're the same and have a kangaroo court. We're going to, you know, it's going to be different. We're recognizing um, at least... Until there's a decision to annex mm-hmm. um, that uh, it's temporary and or you're, until you're, you're, you're
0: there's not a Palestinian, state, one a Palestinian or the other. state.
2: You're 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 not our citizens, we don't have full whatever over you, but we're in this situation where since we're here, we have to administer, you know, the area and deal with crime and security and those uh, sorts
1: th- of issues. Th- th- Can I just ask a question about the intention of these courts? So you said that they're meant to be like the example that Mike gave was like a, a short term fix for like Germany and things like that. Was it is the intention that these courts should have a longer um legitimacy like this court now has been going on for decades
2: no and that's that's the heart of the problem no one had a clue that this would go on this long when they the conventions dealing in international law which were written much earlier never planned for anything like this and so you hear the the critics against Israel will say look maybe these courts were okay um the way they're set up for a couple of weeks or months or years, the way sort of everybody sort of thought it might work. But once you get into five years, 10 years, 50 years, um, they can't be the way they are. Um, and they need to make, they either need to disappear. You know, some people in my book, you know, uh, Gabi Lasky was a, both a hum, big human rights lawyer and activist for Merit will say, there's nothing you can do to fix these courts. You just got to disappear them. And um, and then of uh, Hori, another, I interviewed Two major Israeli people, two major Palestinian people, and they, of course, on, on the uh, on the Palestinian side, said uh, one of the lawyers for Palestinians said, um, "It'd be better uh, if there was no occupation, but you can actually work, you know, with these courts. There could be better ways." And she had some radical ideas about what if you had, you know, foreign observers um, sitting on the courts, which Israel actually did do, not for the courts. But um, the Turkel Commission, which dealt with international law on in the 2010 flotilla, um, actually had international observers, and even for the most top secret issues, they let the international. There was uh, from Australia, the United States, some other countries, um, and so there was an she threw out this idea: how about you know you have foreign observers, um, and you know the, all all kinds of other specific issues with the courts. Technically speaking, the courts use a lot of the same rules of evidence and rules of procedure as Israel, but there are specific areas where they depart a lot. And so those, you know, departures, they'll say, you know, you can't depart like that. You have to, you know, uh, change something, reform something.
1: I've got another question about some of the types of cases that are tried in these military courts. So let's say there's an example of... God forbid, domestic violence or something, or somebody mugs somebody else. Somebody stole a car.
2: Yeah, you're talking about Palestinian against Palestinian. A Ramallah
0: resident steals his neighbor's car. Courts,
2: these courts don't deal with that. Palestinian these, These deal with basically crimes of Palestinians against Jews. There's some very specific exceptions where they might deal with Palestinian versus Palestinian, um, and where they might, most of the time, if a Jew commits a crime against a Palestinian, also um, that would be in the civilian courts. Um, but let's say a Palestinian steals another Palestinian's car, there's no sort of other special side to it, the Palestinians themselves deal with it, and they have their own courts. But and, if, and, and, if and if a Jew steals a Palestinian's
1: car inside the West Bank, they would be tried in the civilian courts.
2: In the civilian courts. And this is one of the most controversial pieces. This is, again, critics will say... That's, you know, you know separate and not equal. You, you have one set of courts with one set of justice for Palestinians, one set of courts, one set of mm-hmm. justice for Jews, and they're living in the same place. They should all be in these courts. Under Israeli law, it's actually possible to try Jews— in these courts, mm-hmm. um, long decades ago, the attorney general, I believe in the eighties, made a policy decision that um, it wouldn't stand up in the High Court of Justice. The High Court of Justice would say, "Look, what's the difference? The difference is where isn't where people live or their identity; it's their citizenship. citizenship. So, Israeli Arabs, if they commit an act, a security act, are also." Tried in Israel in the Israeli civilian courts, and um, so Israeli Jews have to also be in Israeli civilian courts. Uh, they would be able to claim discrimination if they were tried in the military courts. And the, the reason the Palestinians are tried in these courts is because they are not citizens of Israel. Now, again, for critics, that's not going to satisfy them. But there, is, there is, you know, there is a principled explanation that doesn't necessarily say this is discriminatory. That does explain why they've done it like this. But you should know, it's under Israeli law they could do it, and there is an exception. There are. Um, Jews who have gotten um, administrative detention or have gotten um, uh, restraining orders, let's especially Can you tell us a little bit about why that would happen? Sure. Um, uh, I'll give you the best example. Administrative
0: detention without indictment or anything like that, where they just hold somebody for extended amounts right, of time. Right. Without, There's a
2: judicial proceeding, but it's not a criminal proceeding. They don't have all the same rights. So um, in 2015, um, there was a Palestinian family in Duma. Um, a bunch of members were killed in an arson. Um, it's pretty recognized that it was some kind of a Jewish terror attack. Um, the person who's accused of it is actually near the end of their very, very long trial. Um, so we'll see whether they get convicted or not. Amiram um, Ben Uliel. And um, it took a while for them to catch this person, I think almost half a year. Mm-hmm. And when they were trying to find them, you know, they, there were, uh, there was, let's say, a group of people who'd been involved in vandalizing Arab cars or Arab uh, neighborhoods. And some of these people they thought, you know, might have been more radical. Maybe they found some evidence that they talked about doing more violent, radical things. And the three of them were put in administrative detention, which means um, no indictment. No criminal trial, no beyond a reasonable doubt. You do get to see a judge, um, and the judge has to believe that the intelligence – it's usually classified intelligence evidence against you, which is why they don't put it in trial because they they, they, they couldn't ex- put it into – they couldn't expose it in the trial. They might end up give up the source, the informer. It's holding
0: somebody for security reasons, not legal reasons. Correct.
2: Um, and they're not – people should know they're not held uh, f- forever. Um, you know, the, a lot of the people were held for you know, half There's a year a time or something limit, like that. Yeah. yeah, and even with – It's from, long. It is. It is. But and if not, you're
0: the guy sitting in the cell, it's awful.
2: <laughs> yeah. No. And, there, and there's an, and there's actually there's a small group of uh, Jews and Palestinians, right wing Jews and not right wing Palestinians. You know that got together to attack administrative detention together, um, in the last year or two, which is interesting.
0: It is interesting when right wing Jews get freaked out when a Jew is held and and you know and then they. But when Arabs get held, it doesn't bother them. Like so this was the
2: first time that they actually got together was yeah. a conference uh, last year that I wrote about, uh, where they got together and sort of criticized both sides. It was, it was a very unusual uh, situation. Um, so anyway, that that is that is an exception. Um, during that time period, a couple of people were put in ministry. Detention a bunch of people were given, uh, from especially from the settlement of uh, Yitzhar, um, were told you can't come back to Yitzhar for six months. Mm-hmm. So all of those things a lot of the times would go through these military courts, even uh, though uh, they're Jews
0: which are, they're not extrajudicial, but they're not, again, they're not on the criminal line. When people when people criticize these things, what they're essentially saying is this status quo is 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 crazy. In In democracies, we're used to things like habeas corpus. We're used to things going by certain rules, and here they're not. You have Israelis and Arabs living next to each other, but the Israelis are citizens of the state, so they get a different court system. So when people criticize the status quo, essentially what they're saying is this is a bad status quo, which I think most people agree with the question then becomes what do you do
2: that and, and that, and, yeah and that's, how do
0: you fix this right. it's a broken there's no there's no way to there's no alternative which is immediately better and doesn't create enormous difficulty
2: right so i think i think i think you hit on it um and one of the, what i talk about in the book a lot is the reforms and that you can see that um, every couple of years they make reforms until 2009 there wasn't a juvenile court system they created a juvenile court system in 2009 to be better with uh, rights for minors. And if you look, basically every two years since then they've added additional reforms and rights for uh, juveniles. Um there was a point in time where the the, the appeals um, on a trial court ruling in the courts only stayed within the military courts, and there was a point where they extended that so that Palestinians, even though they're not citizens of Israel, can appeal to the High Court of Justice, which is not required under international law, but to give like a little bit extra um, sort of expression of of uh, their rights. Um, so the, I think the reform piece is an important piece. But, and, and In other words, p- it,
0: there, there are steps taken to improve it and, and reduce what's problematic about it. Correct. That's that's a conscious effort
2: to... It's a conscious effort from from, from the IDF, um, from the state of Israel, sometimes definitely getting a push from you know petitions to the high court from, let's say, a human rights group like Eish Din. Um, but the other piece you, you hit really hard is what would would be better i think in any ideal world how should it work the palestinians should prosecute any of anybody from their side who attacks jewish people or right. commits any kind of crime and um, we should prosecute people from our side and that's the end of it right. and the problem is nobody on the israeli side and and, and it, it, it's not in a vacuum there it was a you know, during oslo there was a period where um, less arrests were made of Palestinians and sort of more of an opportunity was given the Palestinians to sort of deal with their own issues. And there, people talked about yes, or Arafat's revolving door. They would arrest somebody and then let them go when nobody was looking. Um, so there there just isn't a belief um, that if 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 there is no justice done to the Palestinians in these courts that any, any justice will be done. And well, ultimately,
0: these are security concerns. Yeah. And part of Zionism is we can't allow the security of Israeli lives to be in anyone's hands but... Correct
2: and, and 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 while and and while I and I, I sympathize some, some I think some of the criticism of the courts is valid and we can all, they can always get they can always get better um, but I'll, I'll tell you that when I asked defense lawyers from the Palestinian side what would you do differently again the answer is you know get rid of the courts you know right. uh, and that's not well, there, there wasn't the an answer of actually dealing with. Palestinian uh, terrorism in a different way and the the
0: occupation is a slogan not a plan because there's no way to do that simply
2: without a peace deal Without a peace deal, right? right. Which and it would be it would be fantastic if we if, yeah. we if we had peace. But in the meantime,
0: if there were two states that worked together, and then like you're saying, we yeah. could we could handle each other. There's, if we were neighbors, like Mexico actually, and, you know, or
2: Canada to the U S., there's actually sort of a quasi extradition treaty between Israel and the Palestinian. Yeah. When I worked in the Justice Ministry and in International Law Division, there was like a one person who officially worked on extraditions, and they had nothing to do because <laughs> there was no you know already there was no trust, and there was no you know they weren't going to send people us, we were going to send people up. Specifically... Specifically, the things that do happen is the security forces work together. So if the Palestinian Authority wants to nail somebody from Hamas, sometimes they'll tip the shin Bet about, you know, where to where to catch them or something like that. Or we, we might throw somebody back to the Palestinian Authority who we can't hold anymore. And well, look, let's, might... uh,
0: let's be honest, and, and and this is tragic, that the Palestinian Authority, when it handles criminal matters, has been proven to be corrupt in how they handle people they arrest. They arrest people for political things on trump right. up w-
2: their Even within their own population. I'm talking like, about just how they yeah. handle
0: their own population. Yeah. They're not handling, they, like, because we were saying, like, oh, if I steal my neighbor's car, I'm handled by the Palestinian Police, Palestinian Authority, which Palestinians complain is un. Unbelievably corrupt.
1: Yep. In terms so. of reforms that you were talking about, and in terms of how you deal with things like corruption and different things like that, to what extent does the justice ministry of the state of Israel have influence over these uh military courts? Like when you say there's reforms, at whose behest? Like who, who's right. instigating these reforms? Is it the military themselves? Is it the justice ministry? Because the justice ministry theoretically doesn't have jurisdiction
2: it, over it what's happening. So So it's a mix, okay. Um, A
1: a Balagan or a mix?
2: Yes. Okay. (laughs) So technically, the direct legislature of these Israeli courts that sort of like passes the laws that you know sort of guide them is the IDF General of Central Command. He is uh, he because he's sort of the almost sort of like military governor of the area. Um, and then there's the courts, they have courts and they have military courts and the head of them, the president of the military courts is sort of like the main mover and shaker, shaker within whatever has uh, been passed. Now, the when I talked about the miners reforms, that was done by the IDF, by the chief justice, Aramish Mishnayot, who's one of the th- yeah. four people I interview in the book in detail. Um, and he did it on his own. Um, and as long as nobody was stopping him, you know, he could just do it. Um, there are certain things where you would need um, either the military commander to pass or the Knesset to pass sometimes the knesset can pass something and that can sort of indirectly end up making or pushing the military to 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 do something because ultimately even if the military commander you know he's like the legislature so so to speak the military is answerable to the Knesset so you can in a roundabout way get laws from Israel into uh, Into, you know, these uh, particular laws and the justice, the justice ministry is the the, the attorney general is the top official um, there. He also is in charge. You know, there's the chief IDF lawyer. And then so he'll have a chief West Bank prosecutor. That's the other person I interviewed in the book. And the attorney general is the top person there, so they can influence them. And I I talk in the book about administrative detention. There's a chance that they might do some reforms of administrative detention, make it possible for some of the, quote unquote, secret evidence to be exposed to, let's say, a general defense lawyer who would be, let's say, a retired Israeli judge. Um, And he might argue just, you know, without the Palestinian in place because they don't want to leak the confidential information, but that might give them an opportunity to attack um, you know, secret evidence against somebody. So that's something where the Justice Ministry is very involved. You could say at the end of the day, the IDF makes its own decision, but the Justice Ministry and the Attorney General absolutely are involved. Yeah, because
0: in a democracy, the military is under the command of the civilian government. Right. But essentially, the West Bank, the Arabs of the West Bank are overseen in terms of security by the, by the IDF. Yes. And that's uh, including in legal things. I mean, I, it, it's such a complicated mess and that when people criticize you know if i was an if i was an arab parent who my kid was arrested and had to go to military court i'd say that's crazy like i get it but the status quo is unfortunately when we talked
2: about a twilight zone, um, you know, so you have these two peoples, and there's Hebrew and Arabic being spoken. Now, you could say that that you know that occasionally happens in Israeli civilian courts. You'll have somebody sure. Russian or English speaking, and you'll bring a translator. It's not the same at all, wow. um, because um, you know the since somebody's you know from a completely different culture, it's not just you know so somebody's translating to them. What the proceedings in Hebrew are in mm. Arabic, but it's also, you know, you know culturally, they don't, you know, understand what's going on. They're not citizens. They're, they're, right. they're in and, an and alien lot environment. More, and there's a lot, you know, everybody who's part of a proceeding in, in Israeli courts where somebody, you know, has, you know, needs it translated into Russian or English um
0: they're entering as citizens who can vote they get
2: and they're starting from right similar premise nobody sort of thinks that the court itself might try to pull something on right. them. people were fighting about wait did they translate that in arabic correctly or are they right. trying to pull a fast one right wow. um and then you have they uh, went to
0: high school they learned about israeli civics they learned about right. how basically how things work
2: and if it's a terror case in these courts you might have five feet away from each other in the very small place where uh audience people can can sit you might have family members of a jew who was killed and family members of the palestinian who is on trial like that close to each other and then you have like extra security guards in between right, them to sure. make sure that there isn't you know a fight doesn't break out and that's yeah. you don't see that kind of dynamic uh usually in israeli courts wow
1: People don't no. fight in Israeli courts. I can't believe it. <laughs>
2: they, are, they, they fight, but, it it's, not happen, the but same, it's not the same. It's not. It doesn't have the same uh, right. power. I mean, like, so you might have an organized crime figure every now and then, but the truth is, usually the, the family of the people uh, who were killed probably are afraid of the organized crime figures, so they're not going to show up and they're not going to yell right. at them. And here, it's you know, there's, yeah. there's a, na- there's no, a here, national struggle. Here, you
0: don't feel like you're a, on the defense. You feel like you're a victim. In, in in the both West Bank. sides yeah. both sides feel like they're right like, yeah, yeah 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 it's uh it is it's and it's not that critics things that they're pointing out are unfair you're right it's a crazy situation like you're saying it's the Twilight Zone but any alternative makes things worse and when you're annexing ex- it and giving them all citizenship right. makes things worse leaving the West Bank and just leaving it to the chaos and disruption and civil war that would erupt. That's worse. And anything that we do that's a dramatic change would make things work. So you're saying that there's been this process of—
2: The key, the key is the reforms. And, um, I, you know, I don't advocate a specific reform in the book, but I try to sort of throw out a lot of possibilities that, there that is I room to learned about from the different right. people in the different sides. And that's
0: sides. what we should do. You're advocating that we should look towards reform. should think
2: about whether How you like it. this one or that one, right. but— Think about reform. Or when you right. explain
1: it like this, and when you explain about the dynamic between the families of the victims and families of the of the of the uh defendants and things like that, it really adds a human fabric to it. Yeah. Which I think you also try to bring out in the book. But otherwise sometimes we think about it just like okay, this is fact one and this is fact two, but we don't think about the human element to it, I but mean, the way no, the, you're describing the it. The human now.
2: element, um, you know, I have a chapter about Ezra Schwartz from, you know, um the Massachusetts area who was killed in two thousand fifteen, and I have, you know her, his mother talked to me about the first moment when she finds out about it. And, you know, her, her mind is is incredibly dramatic and depressing and her mind's racing and she doesn't understand what's being told to her and sort of it's hard for her to accept it. Um, Ari Fold, uh, you know, um, the Ari Fold trial uh, just, you know, basically um, ended, you know, I think, a week or two ago um, against the person who, who, who murdered him. Um, so this can be very, you know, very personal for a lot of people. And then on the Palestinian side, you know, they have their... Um, Ahed uh, Tamimi was uh, this, you know, small teenage girl who was clearly, you know, horrible manners, you know, sort of pushing around a soldier who was like twice her height. But, you know, was she endangering him? Did she need to be arrested and put in jail for eight months? So there's a whole argument you have about that. Um, I cover a minor Islam Ayyub who, um, you know, again, maybe had some small uh, infractions for uh, throwing rocks. And then basically he um, isn't, hold all of his uh, rights and gets sort of treated very aggressively by the police because they're using him to nail somebody important. And he's, you know, you know, I think 14 years old, you know, so it's like a very uh, on on both sides is a very emotional and human uh, from both sides.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and the the basic, you know, military court systems, military tribunals aren't designed to Administer to a civilian population for an extended period of time. So, right. very problematic. We appreciate, you know, and we recommend that people pick it up if they want to uncover this. Sort of, uh, it's an aspect of West Bank life that people don't normally pay attention to, but should. And they should, exactly as you're saying, pay attention to both sides and understand it
2: more fully because it's the reality that we live in. Right. You could get it from uh, Stymatsky stores, GFN, uh, or Amazon. Okay.
1: And Yona comes to the States to teach to yeah, the Electron on Hill campus or something. Yeah. It, it, it,
0: you, w- as a person with this background in international politics and things like that, what did you think of? Uh, last week with this big brouhaha with all these nations, this unprecedented amount of foreign diplomats coming into Israel to remember the Holocaust. And, I mean, that was a huge... uh, Putting aside the minor quibbles, the fact that Israel hosted
2: so many people in such a big stage. Look, I mean, I'm uh, in my uh, early 40s, and, you know, so there's some people can go back farther, but I can tell you, when I grew up, the idea that you would have... Israel hosting the Russian president and the American vice president sitting basically right next to each other with just Netanyahu, the Netanyahu couple in the middle. Um, unbelievable. Um, you went in the French prime minister and the Ukrainian prime minister, Yeah, 40 leaders. So, yeah, I think before we even get into what it'll all mean, it was an incredible event. I um, mean, it says something about where Israel, how far Israel has come and is a recognized, you know, I don't know what you want to call it, regional power, but it's on the map and a very, you know... In the international
0: community, Israel's... Exi- I mean, that that's, that's why when people freak out about Israel's in danger, international diplom... Dip- there are problems. Israel has diplomatic yeah. problems, uh, as does every country. But Israel's an accepted country on the international stage. Is that fair to say?
2: Yeah, I, th- I think... Uh, well accepted a is a different connotation, but people need it i yeah. mean people people want to do business with Israel because of our high tech sector. people want Israeli help with uh terrorism um I cover well, up- there are countries that do that under the table,
0: whether both the military security and yeah. the business the
2: same the same
0: time showing up at the stage you know in Israel is a different diplomatic message, yeah. It's right. it's beyond it's beyond that it's far beyond that.
2: Right. We were actually. Well, I'll share a little inside story from the Jerusalem Post. Uh WhatsApp group when the um, the French prime prime minister uh, came to the Western Wall, there was a whole oh how many times has this happened? You know, is this the-? so? Chirac had done it before, and the uh, German Chancellor Schroeder had done it before, and then was like, Actually, you see like they look kind of cute when they put on their yarmulkes. These- but it it is it's something it's something yeah. when you have like these big leaders and these big you're putting on their yarmulkes. So, but anyway, so no, um, getting into the issues a little bit, um, you know, was this about the Holocaust or was it about other Israeli diplomatic goals, or even elections. Um, so I think it was about all of them. Yeah, of course. Um, you know, we're, we're 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 humans. We're we're supposed to do things, whether they say, you know, in Hebrew, you know, focus on sort of like the above board, you know, state goals and all of that. And the Holocaust was definitely highlighted, but there was this whole controversy about they didn't have enough seats mm-hmm. for actual Holocaust survivors. I think it was a problem, you know, the idea that the Ukrainian prime minister, to give up his seat so that a Holocaust survivor, that's a problem, you know, somebody mm-hmm. I think messed up there. It um, was a, I don't
1: know if you saw, there was a cartoon, I think it was in Mariv or Yediot, one of them, where they had a like, it was, I mean, it was a sad cartoon, but it had like a picture of a Holocaust survivor sitting in their living room, freezing by a like a heater, and they were like, there was mold growing on the walls and water dripping down, and they had they were watching the TV with like Putin arriving on his private plane, right. saying, "Wow, isn't it great? They're giving us
2: honor for surviving the Holocaust." <laughs> like, you can't get
1: away from that, right? Yeah.
2: Um, so I, th- I, th- I think I think there was an issue. I think uh, I think people recognize that. They dropped the ball a little bit in terms of how the Holocaust survivors were treated. On on the other hand, like it's valid to when you have some of these leaders here to try to achieve something diplomatic. Mm-hmm. It, it looks like some of the pronouncements that Vladimir Putin was able to make about World War II and Russia's role and Poland's role, and uh, you know they put up uh, you know a new uh, statue. Um, so, you know, various other things might get Nami Sahar this young Israeli who, you know, is in jail potentially for seven and a half years in Israel for a tiny amount of. In Russia. In Russia. I'm sorry. In yeah. Russia for a tiny amount of drugs uh, that are legal in some places that she didn't even take out of her suitcase. She wasn't even going to. She was just stopping over in russia and any normal country would have you know either let her go or maybe she would have been there for like a couple slap days on wrist, yeah. slap on the wrist so seven and a half years was all part of a wider negotiation somebody that we arrested who was russian who was actually a hardened cyber criminal and we weren't going to make that trade and so this is a way you know that they could use to get Nama sakhar back that's legitimate and it's part of the, the trade the, right. the
0: the business uh uh you know yeah it's it's trade basically and we'll trade you these public things for you giving us things under the table we're only seeing the tip of the iceberg whenever these diplomatic exactly
2: there's a lot there's a lot going there's always something going on and it seems that the whole the notifications about this you know trump's ultimate peace plan that's going to be rolled out this week and netanyahu is going to be in washington and gans is going to be in washington it seems that you know uh mike pence you know delivered that message and sort of like Calm people down because you know Benny Gans from the Blue and White Party only a couple of weeks ago had said if the U.S. put out puts out a plan, it would be a gross interference with elections. We're very negative about it now. He's you know in favor. Well, he was in a
0: no-win scenario. If he's invited to go, then right. he's being sh- then that's that's supposedly the White House saying, well, we recognize that you guys are in a political stalemate, so we'll invite both to respect you. But if he's played that way, at, you know when he's. This the, the, if this is being done as a boost to Netanyahu and he right. feeds it, so he can't. And it, and it was
2: on the on the wire whether he would go or not, Correct. which is kind of crazy. And 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 he's, going and it, test and test he's test test. not going the same day; he's right. going the day before, so he can. But I think Mike Pence was here. Partially to do do that work, you know right. that was you know there was an important goal of him coming. not just you know the the whole.
0: Yeah, are people critic? You're saying it like that's fair that they well you know you have the opportunity for FaceTime, so you use that opportunity to do things. Are people criticizing that, or are well, you think getting people to are cynical about it?
2: Now you get the elections, and then the question is with the elections is is it okay that Trump is rolling out the plan this week, or is that interference in Israeli elections? It's totally interference in Israeli elections. I think everybody knows that it's another attempt to sort of help Netanyahu to some degree. There's a very- It's
0: also t- an attempt to help Trump to distract from impeachment.
2: Exactly. So that's right. So people oh, who said-
0: Who's cynical now, Mike? <laughs>
2: no, 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 no. Not me. <laughs> the, the, the Netanyahu- No, I'm not. Immunity I, I mean, that's hearings. what it is. Obviously, right. it's what it is. The so. Netanyahu immunity hearings and the Trump impeachment hearings are happening amazingly at the exact uh, same time. And so for all the yeah, people- Yeah, if
0: you wrote this in a script, I'd throw it out as being yeah. goofy. Like, what do you mean?
2: For For all the people who are- you know israel centric we think we're the center of the world and said oh it was done just to help netanyahu i think absolutely. i think it was done to help trump also distract mm-hmm. you know show he can be a statesman he thought he might get a some sort of a deal with North Korea that's sort of fallen apart. Clearly no deal happening with oh, right. Iran. Nixon
0: went to China. Clinton went on also, right. I don't remember at the moment, what, but he went on all sorts of international trips when he was under impeachment. That's what you. That's the playbook. Right. You want to show people, right. look, do you want to throw me up, but I'm doing such a good job. Right.
2: And by the way, I don't I don't mean, it doesn't look like there's actually going to be a deal because who's not invited? The Palestinians. Correct. Um, <laughs> who have
0: already said. Who have already said. They're it's very, dead on arrival. They're very Because right.
2: they've hated Trump ever since he moved the embassy uh, from uh, the U.S. embassy in Israel from Tel Aviv to 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 Jerusalem, so um, and
0: recognized Israel's annexation of the Golan. And I think,
2: it, but by then it was it was already I think sure. the embassy itself. But
0: then they piled on and on and right. on, which again has to do with Correct. Israeli politics, but also has to do with American yeah. politics. Yeah, you know, it's Trump making sure his base still supports him by giving them more things that he wants. That doesn't really cost him so much,
2: right? And, and, and by the way, at the end of the day, I think you know, if Gans was going you know the Ganz is ahead in the polls by a couple of seats, and that's how much he won the second election by. He may still uh, win. It might, you know, it might sort of just oh, change yeah. the topic for the moment because the fact that we're in third elections, people are pretty, you know, stuck into who they voted for. The, the, the results between the first and the second elections didn't change that much. It was like Netanyahu, you know, ten thousand votes this way. Well, each 10, round seems
0: no. to take away a little more from Likud. So if that happens again, it's hard to know because you only have.
2: So that's the main it's thing. It's so unprecedented. People, right. The main thing that people are saying is that maybe. If Gans was leading, uh, if Blue and White were leading the Likud by two or three seats, this could have opened, you know, without this because of the immunity thing. And immunity isn't popular even with a lot of Likud voters, even if they like Netanyahu, he might have opened up a five or six seat lead. And maybe right. now those people who might have been the only people who right. might have shifted their votes, maybe they won't shift their votes because they'll like... uh What the the deal comes out, but it depends, you know, if, you know, it depends where you're standing. Some people are going to say, the Palestinians will say, you know, the deal from the leaks, the deal isn't enough because we don't get our piece of uh, Jerusalem and too much annexation of uh, uh, Jewish Jewish settlements. And uh, people on the right who might have been thinking about whether they're going to vote for Netanyahu might say, who said that they can, Palestinians can have most of area C, right? Um, so we'll, we'll see. It it's, may end
0: up being exactly the kind of thing that makes both sides
2: angry because it's a compromise. Yeah. And, but it's uh, going to give us newspaper reporters a lot to write about over the next. Oh,
0: few days, I'm not so. worried about your job, man. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to get a lot of hits. Lot yeah, of hits. yeah, yeah. You're in. You're working in a pretty good. It's it's you know that that old uh, may you live in an interesting time. These are very interesting times. Will you be going to
2: D.C. for this or no? You um, no, I, no, it's not my. Uh, beat. Yeah, it's not my beat. Um, and I don't know that we'll be sending someone for such a fast. Uh, usually, I think when they send somebody, it's like for longer. It's right. a good question.
0: Okay. Well, I, I don't know that any hard work. This we, is we more... do.
2: We do send. We do send people, but they also, we also we also have a Washington correspondent. Okay. Mm-hmm. So he'll. I'm sure he'll be covering it. Mm-hmm. Um, Nachmias. Okay. Yeah. We look forward to hearing the updates and reading about that. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, thanks. You have a very interesting job. Thanks for coming in and sharing. We could go much longer on both, oh you know, God, yeah. on a whole bunch of topics with you. But uh, thank you so much. Uh, we appreciate your insight. And uh, we recommend that people look for the book to really sort of get a deeper understanding of what... Uh, and again, from both perspectives, that there re- it really is complicated, right. but solutions are hard to come by. If anyone's looking in earnest to say, "Here, oh, I have a simple solution, they haven't been paying attention. Yeah, no, there it's, are definitely
2: no simple solutions. Right,
0: exactly. So thank you so much. Thank you, Yona. Thank you. Thank you, Yona. Thank you, Matt. Pleasure. And, be a pleasure. and thank you, Ben, for engineering us to the end of the episode, even with a head cold. Bye-bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Macomb Israel Teacher's Lounge podcast. Don't forget to share, subscribe, rate, and review. Join us next time.